Beyonce! Hello! You're listening to Achimowin on CJSR 88.5 FM, located in the city of Edmonton, which is on Treaty 6 territory, as well as Region 4 of the Métis Nation. This is a traditional gathering place for the Cree, Blackfoot, Nakota Sioux, Iroquois, Dene, Anishinaabe, Inuit, and others to whom we pay our respects and thanks. My name is Shana Giles, and I'm of Métis descent. My pronouns are they, them. If you're familiar with Achimowin, welcome back. If not, then, well, you're about to be. My name is Shana Giles, and I'm a Métis journalist. I'll be hosting Achimowin for the next couple of months as we get into the summer. Think of this as a chill summer Achimowin with Shana. So we've got something a little bit different in store from what you might have heard from previous hosts Jody and Nigel. Each week, we're going to be looking into Indigenous current events and headlines from the last week or so in the Edmonton area, as well as a feature interview about our focus story for the week. This week, I'll be speaking with J.C. Minin, student advisor at Kihu Waston, the Indigenous Student Centre at McEwen University, about Red Dress Day, which was held on May 5th. So make sure to stick around to hear from J.C. about Red Dress Day, why it's so important, and how it raises awareness about missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. That being said, today's feature interview talks about the long history of violence and injustice against Indigenous women and girls, and if you'd rather not be reminded of that today, please feel free to just stick around for the current events portion of the show. First up in recent news, Enoch Cree Nation is working on entering into a Living in Harmony agreement with the nearby town of Devon. On May 5th, a Zoom meeting was held to get band members feedback on the proposed agreement. According to a release published on the Enoch Cree Nation's Facebook page, the declaration will not be legally binding, but is instead a mutual agreement between Enoch Cree Nation and the town of Devon to work cooperatively in the best interests of both communities, the region, and the territory of Treaty 6 as a whole. You can read more about the prospective agreement on the Enoch Cree Nation Facebook page. This post was made on May 5th. Also on May 5th, Alberta Education held its first virtual town hall event to gather community feedback related to the draft K-6 curriculum. So far, 53 of Alberta's 61 school boards have said they will not be piloting the curriculum this fall after it was released in March. One of the major criticisms of the draft curriculum is that students won't learn about treaties until grade 4 and residential schools until grade 5, which goes against a recommendation from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that students in all grades learn about treaties and residential schools. The Métis Nation of Alberta has called for a rewrite of the curriculum, and the Confederacy of Treaty 6 Nations has rejected it. It is expected that more town hall sessions will continue to be held throughout the rest of May. You can read more about the May 5th town hall session in an article from the Edmonton Journal titled, Alberta Education Officials Defend Curriculum During First Virtual Town Hall, Leaving Many Questions Unanswered, which was published by Lisa Johnson on May 6th. Also out of Enoch Cree Nation, CBC Edmonton recently published an article about Enoch's YouTube channel called Enoch Animated. Enoch Animated is a YouTube series featuring 24 animated stories from elders. Going forward, there are plans to use the stories featured in the series as learning resources. The team plans to continue to work with community members, elders, and teachers to hopefully have a draft document ready as a teacher's resource by the start of the school year this fall. 
You can find Enoch Animated on their YouTube page, Enoch Animated, and you can read more about it in the CBC article titled Animated Videos Bring Stories of Enoch Cree Nation Elders to Life, which was published on May 2nd. On to our feature story this week. May 5th was Red Dress Day. For a bit more info on Red Dress Day, I spoke with J.C. Menin, student advisor at McEwen University's Kihu Waston, the Eagle's Nest, the Indigenous Student Center at the university, about the significance of Red Dress Day. During this interview, there are mentions of violence and injustice against Indigenous peoples, so if you would rather not be reminded of that today, please feel free to tune out now and take a break. So without further ado, let's get right into the interview. So my name is JC Manit. I am a student advisor at McEwen University's Indigenous Center, Kihu Waston. I'm a student advisor, help students, as particularly Indigenous students at the center. Um, I am McEwen alumni and I graduated graduated last year uh, during the summertime and I'm pretty new to my position. It's been a really great time so far and I've been having a lot of fun working. So Red Dress Day was on May 5th of 2021. For any listeners who don't know what Red Dress Day is, what can you tell them about it? Mm-hmm, for sure. So uh, Red Dress Day, it essentially is it's always on May 5th, but um, it's to commemorate um, missing and murdered Indigenous women. So um, that's a big issue here in Canada and the United States that uh, Indigenous women are being disproportionately murdered and have gone missing. And also, like in comparison to other races, ours is probably... Um, the numbers are just very high and compared to other races in proportionate to population. So um, that's one of the big issues. And although the day has passed, um, it's still very important that you still keep in mind that women and also men have been going missing and are being murdered. And so this is an issue that it kind of takes everybody to really to think about and to act on and to really work on to raising awareness and saying, bring it to our government, especially saying, hey, what are you going to do to help stop these numbers? And I think a lot of that starts from education and raising awareness and showing the innate racism that's often in these societal structures, especially in Canada's structures as well. And so that's part of the reason why Red Dress Day is so important to show that uh, this issue still isn't being solved. And I hope one day that we could like Red Dress Day would just be a day where we could memorialize all the women that have gone missing and that we won't have to do that anymore. And we could just look back and grieve for the women that have already been missing. But um, yeah, uh, I hope one day we can get to that point where we could just grieve for our missing people. We don't have to worry about them going missing anymore. It's been an ongoing project since about 2010. That's when it started with like the Red Dress Project as I know it. Um, But yeah, it it commemorates missing and murdered Indigenous women. So um, that was kind of around when it started. But yeah, it's about raising awareness specifically. So when you see these red dresses hanging up, you know that you recognize that, oh, missing, like Indigenous women are constantly being targeted. Um, uh, We face a lot of... Um, unfairness and inequality in the society today, Um, and especially with a lot of people believing that Indigenous women are seen as kind of like less than, but it's to show that we are people and we are women, powerful women, and the fact that we are being disproportionately murdered or are going missing without um, anyone kind of taking notice of it is to show that 
we could see you still and that we know what your people are going through and to see that um, to show that, you know, we are still going missing and there's still more that needs to be done. So Red Dress Day is based on the Red Dress Project by Jamie Black, a Métis artist. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, it's an ongoing project and I think it starts with the Red Dress Project and it's commemorates missing and murdered Indigenous women from First Nations, Inuit, Métis, and Native American communities by hanging uh, dresses um, without people in them. And they hang them up to show that these are the women that are missing and how many more women are going to be missing. And you'll see different types of dresses and shapes and sizes to show that there is no age range as well. You could be as young as maybe even like five years old and you could be as old as um, maybe in like your 60s or your 70s and it's still such a great issue or a big issue that indigenous women are constantly going missing or are being murdered in disproportionate numbers. The color red itself has special significance. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, for sure. So the color red is, um, it's a very important color color and you can see like on the medicine wheel I can't name it at the top of my head but I'm just gonna <laughs> I know that my elder I was talking to our elder that works at the center he gave me a sheet and I think I might have it with me but I think let me see if I can find it here but mostly the color red is to stand for um not to stand for but spirits can see the color red and so when you hang up these dresses when you wear red the spirits of women that have maybe um, been missing for a long long time or um, have been murdered they can see that color and will hopefully find their way home and that is one of the biggest importances I think with also wearing that color um, and it's also very powerful and it's in our teachings and everything so I think having that color and showing that um, this is our blood this is as women we are also we represent water and when we're born we come from we come from water and when we carry babies you everyone's born from water in that kind of sense so once you're born from that water um women are seen as the life givers and so we're very important we're like the home fires of our communities and to have us go missing um creates a lot of detriment and kind of like social breakdown especially for a lot of our people and our communities the color, red, is also highly visible. It draws the eye, and if you know what they represent, you think about it. And if you don't know what they mean, you're going to at least pause and think about why it's there. I think it's so haunting as well, because it kind of looks like, you know, a ghost is wearing that dress, and that was a woman that was walking and breathing and living on this land. That was a person that was loved so dearly, and they're no longer here. And they should have had a full beautiful, happy life, but they didn't. And that life was cut so short because of um, someone's selfish desires and inhumane desires to like to kill, to murder or to take. And it's, um, it's those desires that really, you know, that in our culture, we're really taught to not have those kind of, you know, those desires to those selfishness, that selfishness to take someone away from someone else. We, we're taught, you know, we're taught the opposite of that. We're, we're taught to help, to heal together. And it's always this togetherness that is so um, powerful. And I think that really adds a level of disrespect to our culture and our people because you're taking someone individually for your own sake and for your own wants. And that's so selfish and so evil especially like how we were talking about earlier, how these dresses have been taken, um, are being taken down. And I think that really fights 
it really showcases how many people don't want this to be a thing and how people how many people want to hide this away from everyone else but it's still so important and striking to see because when you look at that dress you see someone that should have been standing there that should still be walking and they're no longer walking and that dress is empty there's no one there in there anymore that could fill that hole and the hole in someone's heart and their families that have been taken away forever and they'll have to grieve for the rest of their lives that you know that person that should have been there forever and I think that's something that's so important when you see that red dress and you wonder to yourself especially if you're someone that has you know, hasn't seen the red dress before, you're able to look at that and say, huh, I wonder why these red dresses are hanging. And if you just Google, like, you know, red dress, why is there an empty red dress here (laughs) or something like that? You'll see the answers right there on Google. And I think it's a great way for you to start on like on your own academic journey to really research. And this it's not a huge academic journey either. Like all you have to do is just look to the history, colonization, everything like that. Um, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, you'll have all your answers there. I think as long as it's not research done by the RCMP, because they've done some damaging, extremely damaging and very false statistics just to prove their own agenda, which is absolutely sickening. And I think that was done back in 2014, where they said Indigenous women are not going missing. <laughs> they are not being murdered. And that those have been statistics that have been used by, still used to this day, even though they now have denounced them and said, okay, we were wrong. We're sorry. Um, yeah, and so I think um, when you look up uh, research and everything like that, make sure you're also looking for Indigenous voices that are talking about this as well, because you can also look into the, I think it was the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Inquiry as well. You can look into that. That has some a lot of information as well, but listen to stories and people that have actually lost people, I think, um, listen to them as well and listen to their stories and their knowledge. And they'll tell you all the, everything that you need to know. And I think that's very important in starting your journey in this. You're listening to Achimuin on CJSR 88.5 FM. I'm your host, Shana Giles, speaking with JC Manin, student advisor at McCune University's Kihu Weston about Red Dress Day. Why is it so important that we're able to commemorate Red Dress Day visibly in the streets of Edmonton, like the Bear Clan Patrol did, going from Beaver Hills House Park all the way down Jasper Ave with red dresses, with drums, wearing red, uh, drawing the eye. Why is that so important? It's so important because a lot of our missing and murdered Indigenous women, sometimes it does start here in Edmonton. And a lot of women have been going missing and have been murdered here in this city as well. It's very important that we all look to each other and say, we're going to do what we can to keep you safe. Because as an Indigenous woman, I still kind of feel unsafe in this city. Like, And I'm just walking from work to home. And even in that walk, I, I keep... Um, I do specific things to keep in mind that in case I do go missing, I don't want it to be that, you know, um, oh, she lived a high risk lifestyle. She did this because that's often the biggest excuse for the police to say. And that's awful. It's horrible. And it shouldn't be happening. But um, yeah, and I also keep that in mind. And so I do things that I shouldn't have to be doing as just an Indigenous woman and as a woman in general. I shouldn't have to tell my boyfriend that, oh, I'm exactly at this time leaving my work and I will be home. If I'm not home in this amount, like if I'm not home in a half hour, I'm like 
come looking for me if you can, like, because that's something that I shouldn't have to do. And I still get chills. And I have siblings that also live in the city. And I constantly am worried about them and their safety. And I shouldn't have to, uh, because they're Indigenous women, especially. And so there's a lot of projects that are being done by fantastic people here in the city that are um, looking to take care and to really help our Indigenous population. And there's a lot of homeless people that are also here as well. And they also do a lot of great work with them. And so we shouldn't forget all of the um, all of the people that are, you know, also homeless or maybe are in prostitution and things like that, because they're still so important and they shouldn't be looked over as well. And they are in a um, they are at risk at like they're probably the most people that are at risk. And so they need to be taken care of to an extra degree, especially. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's part of, part of the feelings that you get, especially living here in the city. And I think all of us, everyone here in the city needs to work together to make sure that we all feel safe. And that's something that everyone really needs to take accountability for and to do extra work like that. And so that we can um, finally feel that degree of safety that's really hard for Indigenous women to feel, if, especially if you're living by yourself in the city or if you have kids or uh, if you do like, you know, if you have like a family and things like that. Um, yeah, it's very important. So the town of Cochrane in southern Alberta formally commemorated Red Dress Day on May 5th, but when it came to the city of Edmonton, there was no formal commemoration on behalf of the city. Uh, how meaningful would it be if we did have something like that? I think it would be super impactful for the city of Edmonton to recognize Indigenous or missing and murdered Indigenous women in something like Red Dress Day because this is usually in our groups um, or in our communities, in our uh, societies, in our foundations, and in our universities as well. Um, there's only so much that we could do on our own because usually within these groups and these activism groups as well um, that are raising awareness, it's very tough to reach new voices because a lot of these groups already have um, the same allies and they they belong to different groups and so they'll follow each other and all of these different um, resources as well and we'll help try to raise awareness but because we are already you know and we're so thankful for our allies as well that are sharing that are paying attention that are listening um, what often happens is that uh, usually when we reach like other allies they're already part of these same groups and it's very hard to branch out because we already reached the same people that have already been reached. And so it's very important for someone like or something like the city of Edmonton to really reach out and showcase that, you know, we care about, you know, our missing and murdered Indigenous women, we care about Red Dress Day, we care about our Indigenous women. And I think that's what it really comes down to. Um, this is a huge issue that needs to be addressed and really needs to be commemorated and memorialized because missing women it shouldn't still be happening but it still is and for something like the city to be to take a stand and to say you know we're with you we will help you I think that'd be super powerful for our indigenous women for our communities and for these organizations and it would also help raise awareness and to show other people that might not know that this is still an issue and this is an issue that needs to be stopped and so for the city of Edmonton to do something like that it'd be extremely powerful I believe especially for our community. For any listeners who haven't heard about Red Dress Day or what it's in response to before now, where could they find more information? 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. So you could take your, you could look at the missing and murdered indigenous women inquiry that was done here in Canada. And I, you know, I usually have issues with inquiries because it's kind of like a, uh, the government's way of saying we'll address it by, um, showing you this information, but then we'll do nothing about it. It's just to kind of show like, oh, we are looking into it and they looked into it and they're still not going to do anything about it despite having all of the answers right there in that inquiry. And so inquiries are kind of like the government's way of saying, okay, we'll look into it. But I think the inquiry is a, a good place to start by looking for information, um, getting your start looking for information, but don't use that um, for your whole <laughs> of everything you need to know about missing and murdered indigenous women, but it does have some great stories and voices that um, need to be heard as well and some answers. And I think the government should actually do their, do take their own advice from that inquiry and use that to make a game plan or to act on it, especially. Um, I would also recommend um, looking into people's stories that have, that were mentioned there in the in the document itself. But I also recommend looking into um, your area, look into the community you're from. See if there are missing and murdered indigenous women in your area. And especially if you're from the Edmonton area, you'll see so many stories of women that have gone missing. And one of the more striking ones from the Edmonton area that shows the the kind of lack of anything done um, by the RCMP and their kind of terrible handling of this entire case, I would really recommend um, looking into Amber Tukaro, her case, um, hers, I think it really, really showcases the faults done by the police system where they threw away her suitcase and evidence, the last thing she had at her hotel room, they threw it away. Um, they questioned her brother that who was in prison, they questioned her brother and, you know, thought that he had something to do with it. She was the last person he called. And that's how the phone call that she left behind was recorded with the man that is assumed to be her murderer. Um, they, they assumed that he did it, even though he was behind bars, which makes no sense. They questioned the family. It all doesn't make any sense. And I'm not a detective and I don't assume to be a detective, but I, I know that, you know, if you're looking at, <laughs> when there's a murder that happens, uh, you don't go to the, the person that's already behind bars. You don't go to the, the people that weren't there in, or even in the vicinity of where she was um, you don't go to the people that already have a clear, strong alibi and continue to question them. That makes no sense. Once you clear someone off, like, can't you just like check it off? I don't know. But then again, I'm not a detective, but I think I know not to do that, <laughs> especially. It's very easy. Mm -hmm. Incredibly like disrespectful to the family. So disrespectful. Yeah. And not only that, but you can also look into other stories, uh, not stories, but other cases such as uh, Colton Bushi and how the police handled that. And that was such a grave injustice. And also um, there's actually no, there's so many stories of the police kind of having their answer, having their suspect, having the, the person that needs to be held accountable um, and like, you know, they know who the murderer is and they've had the murder confessed. And then at the same time, they'll say, we don't have enough evidence though. And then they'll throw the case away. And I've seen, and that's so heartbreaking for me to say this, but I've had, um, I have a really close friend whose mother, whose murderer um, was able to get off scot-free because of um, one of the main witnesses has passed away because this case had been going on for about 10 years or more, or more than 10 years, I think actually at this point. And it's so disgusting and that 
guy that had committed this act is who is a white man also i should say is kind of roaming around edmonton right now and he's it's like how like you have someone that you know that had come forward and you know you have all the dna evidence there on his hands and everything and for them to be let go i think that's so disgusting and it really shows how faulty this uh justice system is it's it's so disrespectful it's racist it's a disgusting system that has too many faults in it I, I don't even know if you can call it a justice system at this point because it's just it's not dealing with justice the way it should so we're speaking in 2021 in 2020 red dress day was sort of put off a bit because of the pandemic uh how significant is it that we're able to bring it back this year I think it's very important. And because of the pandemic, you know, a lot of events have been canceled celebrating Red Dress Day. But I think you could celebrate it in multiple ways as well. Um, because originally, we were going to gather at Beaver Hills House. And that's um, a park that's located in Jasper Ave here in Edmonton. And so we were going to gather there and wear our red dresses and um, probably do some prayer and to show that, you know, that there's this is such a big national issue that still needs to be addressed but because of the pandemic and because of the new restrictions uh, that Jason Kenney kind of enforced about I think it was a few days ago uh, we weren't able to gather but uh, I've seen a lot of awareness being spread on social media and I think social media is really playing a huge role this year especially in Red Dress Day as, it, as it's always been for the last couple of years but I think especially now I've seen a lot more art being shared a lot more um Indigenous women showing the the red hand symbol on their face, raising awareness that way. I've seen a lot of Indigenous creators spreading awareness about it and a lot of people hanging up red dresses on their porch or their patio um, just to showcase that um, we are raising awareness for Red Dress Day. Hopefully by next year, 2022, we'll be out of the pandemic. Fingers crossed. <laughs> what do you anticipate Red Dress Day looking like in Edmonton in 2022? Oh, what I would love to see is hundreds of people marching together, wearing our red dresses. Um, there have been beautiful videos that have been captured of people doing healing dances in their jingle dress dresses. I think if we can turn this into a huge event uh, with tons of important, not just tons of important people, but just high profile people uh, to raise as much awareness as we can. That's something I would love to see. I'd love to see a march. I'd love to see um, the streets being painted red. I'd love to see everything like that uh, to showcase, you know, our people are still here. We're still going missing, but we're still, we're resilient. And I think to showcase our resiliency and our loss, I think uh, that's something I would love to be, to love to see being showcased and that we hope to carry on um, this kind of healing journey together and to also fight for something that's right again. Because as I said before, you know, we, we've had the shield being built up for years and years and years. And now we got our swords ready. We're, we're ready to fight for our people and to fight for our women, especially our, our men and women that have been going missing and um, to show that, you know, we're here and we're going to keep fighting and we're going to mourn as well. Red Dress Day was on May 5th. We're a bit past that now. What can people do to show their support for missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls throughout the rest of the year? Yeah, um, I would really recommend looking into families that have had um, missing loved ones because a lot of families have been 
resorting to, you know, private investigators, if you can find GoFundMes for them, um, for these people, I would really recommend doing that. Um, fund them, fund their search and help them find these girls. If you have a search party or anything like that, I would suggest also taking part. Um, look into your communities and really start there as well. Have, start your search there. And if there, you know, there's nothing that you can find, maybe look a little bit deeper. And then after you've looked a bit deeper, look into maybe even helping in the city. Um, we still have the Bear Clan or Bear Claw Patrol still going on. If you want to volunteer with them, I would really recommend that as well. Um, take part, really share stories, share um I'm a part of multiple Facebook groups. If, uh, if you look up multiple Facebook groups, such as like, you know, missing and murdered indigenous women, um, they'll share like people from the US and all over Canada that have gone missing. And if you could share that information as well, that really helps, I think, because it shows, you know, raises awareness for specific people that, you know, so you don't, you can put a face to the name and everything. And so you don't just have to see a red dress, but you can see someone that has actually gone missing and that they are still being looked for. Look through that. Um, if there is organizations near you, uh, especially for domestic violence towards Indigenous women, there are specific organizations in your community, really donate to them as well. Um, yeah, I think those are really great places to start. And also look into the Red Dress Project because they're constantly doing great things as well. And I think that would be really helpful in your search. That's it for this week of Achimowin on CJSR 88.5 FM. Big thanks to our guest this week, JC Menin, for speaking with me about Red Dress Day. If you want to know more about JC or about Kihu Weston at McEwen University, feel free to send an email to kw at Find them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and soon TikTok at Kihu Weston. Our theme song is Come and Get Your Love by Redbone. Got any news you want featured on Achimowin or just want to reach out? Use the hashtag Achimowin on social media. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. Yeah.